Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblioscapes and Discussion. Today, I have really got the great pleasure of being joined by American photographer William Neal. Good morning, William. I think it's morning your time. Yes, good morning uh, to me and good evening to you. And yep. thanks for having me. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you very much for giving me up some of your time to talk to me about your, your work and your two books, or certainly a couple of your books, which I've got the pleasure of having. Um, so before we obviously get to talking about your work and your books, it'd be great to, to get a good introduction to you about your photographic journey, which I know is very extensive and I'm sure some wonderful tales to tell. Well, I have been at it a long time. I, <laughs> I think it all started really at as a kid uh, going to national parks uh, during vacations. Yep. Uh, just enjoyed trips from California to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone and Glacier National Park, places like that. And then yep. uh, when I came to, to go to college, I ended up starting to work in national parks. So in between semesters or summer, during my summer breaks, yep. I worked uh, two summers in Glacier National Park and two summers in North Cascades National Park, which is on the Canadian border as well, but north of Seattle. Yeah. And so I just uh, wanted to explore the, the backcountry. I spent a lot of time backpacking through both of those parks yep. and taking a camera. And Lovely. oddly enough, I, I, my dad had a Voigtlander camera that I took uh, the first summer. I didn't really use too much. I think I had a couple of rolls. Yeah. And uh, I also took uh, uh, some paints and some and a couple of canvases that were my dad's that he said, well, maybe you uh, maybe you'll want to paint something because yeah. I had taken art during high school. OK, yeah. I had a little little bit of a hint of what, would, what was to come. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just wanted to share where I'd been. Yeah. So it was really my delving deeply into uh the mountains uh yeah i wanted to record that and and uh show people when i came home family and friends the next summer i actually thinking i was graduating to a better camera uh, my mom had a kodak instamatic <laughs> yeah which was new and the voidlander was old of course the voidlander was very high quality and the kodak <laughs> instamatic was trash but but it was light and uh you know it had cartridges and yeah and um easy to toss in a pack. And I, I ran around the mountains and <laughs> running up peaks and, and stuff with uh, a yeah. little Instamatic. And, you know, I'd come home and uh, share those. And I, I was showing some photographs to a friend once in college. And, and she said, because she sensed my enthusiasm for yeah. the places I'd been and, and showing them with a the photograph, she said, you should become a photographer. I said, <laughs> Well, there's an idea. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic. And that yeah. kind of got my mind going and brought it took started. A, took a couple of photography courses in college, black and white. And um, because I'd been working in national parks after I graduated from college, which was a degree in environmental conservation. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to work more full time in a park and I ended up. Uh, in 1977, coming to Yosemite, uh, working for the National Park Service. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that was a big move. I didn't know it at the time, but you know, I started. I, I got a Instamat or a Pentax Spotmatic camera. Yeah. yeah. And started shooting slides, and and um, 
that developed, you know, into a more and more serious, you know, hobby. Yeah. So that uh, that kind of was the beginning, and and because I was shooting slides, I had to process the film, and I, the Ansel Adams Gallery was sitting there in Yosemite Valley, right where where I was working. Yeah. So I'd go in and take my rolls of film in, and they'd go off in a Kodak bag to get processed, and then I'd get them back. And yeah, I got to know uh, a good friend of mine there who was working there, Louis Kemper, and he. Um, saw my work and we were sharing work and showing slides to each other. And Brilliant. so he, he knew what, you know, the, how my, how, what my level of interest was. And yeah. yeah. And um, every winter I would get laid off because tourists weren't around in the winter. Yes. Much, especially yeah. back then. Yeah. So uh, I walked into the store to turn in some film and, and my friend Lewis said, do you want my job? I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> and, uh, that day I got hired and I, all of a sudden I became a photographer. Brilliant. So that was 1980 and I was tossed into the deep end. Basically I, I had to teach photography. Yeah. Right. So I was 20, uh, let's see, what year was that? Maybe 26. Okay. And I'd never taught photography and I'd taken two courses. So, <laughs> you know, I'd get 10, 15 tourists every day yeah. at three o'clock and take them out to the meadows and, and, teach them so i started to think about what i knew you yeah. know because if you, have, you teach something you have to know what what yeah what, what you do. doing yeah and so um that was that was a great introduction to to sharing uh my photography with others in this case through teaching yeah and then every summer ansel ran his workshops so i'm sitting in you know this really basically sales job Yep. But at Ansel's gallery and, and uh, you know, Ansel would show up and, and world-class photographers from Arnold Newman to Ernest Haas to right. Jerry Yulsman, Joel Meyerwitz, all these people uh, would show up. And I got to listen to a lot of their lectures because I was an employee there, yeah. of, the, of the gallery who was running the workshop. So that, that was a real great education. I can, I can imagine. What, I call it my master's degree because I, I got to see a lot of things. I got to see a lot of work. Yeah. You know, they would give uh, lecture slideshows. Yeah. But they usually had prints, so I, I could see their prints, Brilliant. which was a major, major yeah. thing in Ansel's world. You know, the final, the print was the Absolutely. ultimate. Yeah. And uh, that was a great education just to see what, what a good print looked like. And I also learned how photographers made a living. Yeah. Yep. You know, and some were professors and some were commercial photographers and, and uh, various ways to survive. There were a lot of, you know, very uh, accomplished assistants. Yeah. So, for example, John Sexton and, and Alan Ross were assistants in Nansel's darkroom at some points in time, but also they were involved in running the workshop. So I got to got to know them and, and um, you know, this fear of very accomplished and and, and uh, inspirational photographers i got to to be exposed yeah, to quite incredible it's it's so it sounds like such an incredible experience and to be able to learn from just a wealth of uh, wealth of experience and wealth of information yeah well the exposure to the photographs and the photographers was a big thing but i was also immersed in yosemite yes yeah so and i had the experience of meeting um, Joel Meyerwitz, 
and he comes to Yosemite and says, well, I'm not going to photograph the landscape because Ansel's already done it. Yeah. And I was kind of, uh, that was interesting. Uh, okay. I, I know, you know, you can do, you're great at other things, but I was kind of surprised that to hear somebody of that level sort of, maybe it was kind of casual, but to express some, some intimidation of yes. walking in the footsteps. Yep. And I, I said, poppycocks. <laughs> no, I'm going to try to delve deeper into Yosemite and, and uh, yeah. see what I can come up with that's, that's creative and, and yeah. a personal vision and all those good things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the approach that everyone's got to take. Otherwise, you'd be running, you'd be running away from so many things because you could go to so many locations and someone else has, has been there, photographed it and and as you say, why why run away from it? Just try and be creative and pr- present your own perspective and your own take on the scene. Well, at that age, I was yeah redheaded and stum- stubborn. So, <laughs> you know, if you told me I couldn't do something, that would be that's what I would try to do. Yeah, that, that's the invitation to do it. I also had a photog- uh, photography professor in college who was not interested in uh, color photography. All right. Yeah. Uh, and he was not into Ansel Adams or, or landscape photography. And we kind of went back and forth during the two semesters I had him. Yeah. And uh, I was wanted to do color so bad. I was uh, dying my black and white prints, you know, in, yep. you know, on the, in the dark room yep. so that I could have a, a toned, uh, a blue toned image or something. Right, crazy okay. like that. <laughs> and, uh, but what happened at the end of those two semesters is, the um, the professor sort of gave up in a way on me. He said, "Well, you're hopeless." And I'm I'm projecting what he said in his mind. Yes. But he made the brilliant move. We're sitting in his office, and he has a bookshelf full of photography books. And he starts pulling out Minor White books and Wynn Bullock books and Edward Weston books. And well, if you're going to go this path, this is this is who you need to look at. Yeah. And I was blown away. I, I didn't really know their work particularly well at that point in time. And, and I said, well, you know, if minor, can, minor white can make these um, magical and mysterious black and white photographs of the landscape. I'm going to do that in color. I was like trying to, you know, carve my own path somehow with, yes. with the work that, that inspired me uh, within the realm of landscape photography, but not, know classic scenery types of images yeah yeah excellent so we've uh, obviously i'm delighted that you're here to you join me to talk about your books so i've got I've, I've got the pleasure of having a couple of your books your most recent one which is light in the landscape and also uh your 2017 one which was a uh, william neal uh Ret- photographer retrospective which was obviously published in the uk um, I'm a huge admirer of them. I think they're both fantastic. I've I've only had light in the landscape a few weeks now, but I have enjoyed I've enjoyed the number of articles so much. They they really provided a, 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 such a different insight into it, particularly when you can tie them up to the photograph that you're talking you're, you're talking about. So I, I and the sheer number of articles that you've managed to you've managed to write together. I'm really quite interested to uh, to know how. How did you how did you plan them? Did you did you have a 
did you start by thinking did you start with a process of outlining different topics you wanted to talk about or did you approach them as you took the photographs because because there it's such a vast collection for anyone who's not who doesn't have the book it's it's quite an incredible collection of articles with the accompanying photographs as well really is such a such a bible that i can see myself returning to over and over again oh thank you that's awesome um the book is a compilation of essays i wrote for outdoor photographer magazine yeah us magazine so i started writing for them in 1986 and in about that was i think 1997 i started writing the column yeah so i've actually written about 150 columns so this is a distillation of all the writing yes so uh over that course of that time about 23 years i sometimes i was going monthly sometimes every other month yeah but you know during those deadlines i was thinking about what to write about. And I still struggle with that. But, um, <laughs> you know, you look at a photograph and say, well, that one's about depth of field. And that's, you know, where yep. I use this approach or that approach, or sometimes it's a story of uh, yep. just who I was with or what, what I was experiencing. So it, yeah, I didn't want to write a technical manual. Yes. And I had a I had a great um, uh, mentor in that regard. His name is Ansel Adams. So I got to know Ansel a little bit. And uh, one time I was at his house visiting and he was writing, working on the text for his book, Examples, yep. which was similar to my book, uh, writing about the photographs. So yeah. it was a broad sort of commentary about, you know, climbing this mountain, but also what he might have done in the darkroom or yeah, yeah. What he'd done to the negative to open up the shadows or, you know, all kinds of things that were yes, technical, yes. but yep, not yep. just technical. Yeah. So I said, well, that's, that's what I want to do. And so the, the column kind of developed from seeing what uh, Ansel had done writing yep. about his works in, in retrospect, you know, what, yes. what was I thinking? Yeah. And, and I was teasing him. I said, how, how could you remember? you know, what you were doing, you know, 40 years ago. I said, oh, I can remember. And, and um, I, I said, so, so you're post-rationalizing? Post -rationalizing? Yeah. Because he talks so much about pre-visualization. I, I kind of flipped it and said, well, now you're writing about things, you, you know, images you took 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah. So you, you're post-rationalizing? Nice. And he thought that was hysterical. And I, we both <laughs> laughed really hard about that. But but it was a way, you know, but he did say, you know, I remember and I, I have notes and yes. Um, so clearly he had a good memory. So, yeah, well, I, I really, I, it was, it, there was a couple of images as well that I particularly liked because you're some couple of the essays, because they tie back into a couple of the images in your retrospective book. So it was actually really, it was really quite enjoyable to, I think one of them's the shadows and the trees where you're describing how you're so much higher in the snow. You're up to your, you're up three feet up to your waist in the snow, but having seen it in your, in your retrospective book, it was actually really nice to, to come across the, to come across the article. And it just, it just provided a, an insight into how you achieved it, what the, what the experience was like, because to me, that's, that's such a part of it certainly comes across your experiences and your connection to the landscape comes across so much in, in the images in your, in your retrospective book. Well, and just the example of the burnt shadows, uh, yep. you know, the, 
photographers, uh, Ansel included, have done many things to change their camera position. So Ansel had a platform yeah. on his car and, and I, I had a van where I had a platform on the car and, yeah. you know, you, you, in this case, uh, you know, I couldn't, I saw the photograph, but I was too low. Yeah. Even though I was shooting with a four by five and I could have handled the depth, the, you know, at, at ground level, the, the shadows would have merged too much and yes. I had to be up higher to get the separation yeah. in, in the lines. And so I'm, you know, it's one thing to balance on top of these are packed down ski tracks. Yeah. So, you know, I could stand up high and I could set the tripod up on the ski tracks yeah. to do it. But then you got a view camera and you got to reach around to, to set the aperture. Yes. And, and close the shutter and all those things. So uh, that was the um, um, ungraceful ballet to get, uh, to get the shot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine there's I can imagine when you're when you when you've got the fear of stepping one side one one foot to the left or one foot to the right and all of a sudden you sink in uh, in three feet of snow then yes those are just some of the challenges that uh, I suppose we all face when we're and it's part of the chat is part of the things that you remember about taking about taking those about taking the shots as well well a lot a lot of us have those stories but it's yeah. also uh, uh, instructive in the sense that photographers that are maybe a little more casual or don't yeah, quite notice yeah. the difference of uh, the, the different of a camera position, especially yes. uh, left to right and or up higher or lower. Yeah. It says, well, that, you know, I didn't take a picture of what it looked like at ground level. So that, that would have been more um, uh, educational, I suppose. Yes. But, you know, when you, when you've moved your camera around to find the right spot enough times you, you, uh, <laughs> You just you, want to do the shot. You just have to teach people that makes a difference. Absolutely. And, and as you say, yes, it is. It's understanding and being aware. And hopefully people do from reading and, and seeing, seeing your work. They do become aware of these subtle differences from the camera just being a foot higher or a foot lower and just the impact that can have in the compos composition um, and, and the, whole, the whole shot. Yeah. And so, so back to light on the landscape, the, yep. the publisher saw all essays that I had done at the time. Right, okay, yep. So uh, two different editors basically went through it and, and yep. we started paring it down, certain amount of overlap. It was over, it was over 100,000 words. Yeah. Yes. The, full, the full text. I have one document that has all columns in it, what word documents. So you know, going through that, they were instrumental in paring it down because I, I had wanted to do this book many, many years ago. Yeah. I first proposed it to publishers about 15 years before it came out. Gee whiz. Right. And so, you know, I, I sent it around and nothing happened. And then I just kept yep. writing the column. Yeah. And yep. then um, Rocky Nook was, was um, the yep. key to pulling it all together. Great. And a few of the, few of the columns were merged because they were similar. Subject you know, every, yeah. every yeah. fall I have a column due. I go, well, what am I going to write about fall? So, after 150 columns, you know, you might write about photographing in the fall a few times. So yes, absolutely. It, it, it mer merging them together was yep. was a wise thing to do. Yeah, and did you have any involvement in, in the merging of or the selection of the art schools, or did you did you allow someone to come at it with a fresh pair of eyes? Uh, mostly a fresh pair of eyes, and and yep. we were on the same page, <laughs> yes, literally yep. and otherwise, uh, <laughs> uh, all through the process and. 
and they wanted to know what I wanted to do. And then they wanted to know my opinion at all times. Yeah. So uh, back and forth was easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just uh, a matter of getting it down to a good number and, and not repeating things Absolutely. too much. Yeah. But the things you're going to write about over that many essays that are going to overlap yes. while you're talking about camera position or you're talking about yeah. uh, waiting for the weather or, you know, a hundred yeah. other things you can think yeah. of. That's it. Uh, that, that by focusing on the image, it serves as, as uh, another lesson, but somewhat the same lesson, but another example. Yeah, a little absolutely. bit of a little different background around it. Why? Yeah. Why was I there, and and uh, what challenges I might have faced, and solutions I came up with? Yeah, yeah. You can get there's there's the the overlap is far less noticeable because because it's each of your each of your essays is related to the images that you were taking at the time, which which I think is is. Make, really enhances it because you're talking about the real life examples as opposed to just a pure textual book where it is just very much the writing. The fact that you're relating it to to your work just adds another depth and adds a different connection to it, particularly from from my perspective of of reading through it and and learning from it and being able to come back to it over and over again, which is is definitely a book. I could quite happily, having been through now some of the some of the chapters, I could happily see myself coming back to that over and over again as I'm working on certain images or certain bodies, particularly when you talk about the building the portfolio, etc. I think those are really valuable lessons for many of us. I think the um, one of the lessons too is is evolving with the technology. Yeah. So I started shooting out with 35 millimeter film, and then yeah. For most of 20 years, I used a four by five. Yeah. And that's instructive and, and helped me learn how to compose. And yes, yeah. you have a lot of advantages to use a, using a view camera. Yeah. Which I greatly enjoyed. And, and uh, uh, people often ask me, how, what's, what was the transition like? Yeah. And, and I've, I've never gone back to the view camera, but in about 2005, I, I was involved with Canon and they were coming out with new cameras and they were getting better and better. And I was at one point I was carrying two formats in my pack, very large pack, yep. 35 uh, that I was shooting for, for Canon and then four by fives. But when they came out with the, the one DS uh, generations that really upped the game for a lot of people, yeah. you know, I just, I kind of had an easy access to it because of my association with Canon, but yeah. um, it it was wonderful because I have so many four by five still that have never been scanned, uh, you know, thousands and thousands yeah. of them, and um, that costs money and it costs time and it's yep. you know a raw scans three hundred megabytes and that takes up space Please. and it's, you know to be able to I really enjoy the instant feedback from digital so I've I've really adapted to that. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's very important for everyone. You've got to move, or at least an, embrace and enhance technology because it's it's never going to change. It's always going to be developing in some shape or form. Yeah, and sometimes people feel the need to choose one camp or the other. Yeah, and I think both of my books illustrate that. You know, people could look in back and find out what the format was. Yeah, and and maybe that shows that it doesn't make any difference because it doesn't to me yeah absolutely the image is the is the thing yeah 
So I, I do have, you know, there are people that shoot film that just say, you know, well, digital is just yeah. silly plaything, and especially if it's, you know, not eight by ten or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it. indeed. Every, yeah, if everyone's got their own particular take on take on whether it should be one format or mixed formats. But no, I I tend to agree. I know I know at the back of your your retrospective book. Um, and I think also at the back of your of the both of them, the lunch, the both of them yeah, it's got all the details. And um, I actually just enjoy looking at not so much the technical details of the shots, but actually it's quite nice to be able to see all the images on a on a on a sort of a grid because you can begin to see relationships between them, um, which again is really nice. Um, particularly in the ret- particularly in the retrospective, where I, I like how it's been broken up into six different sections as you move through. So I, I was wondering, in terms of the retrospective, what was your approach to to that and the image selection for for that book? Well, the first thing that came about was was the division of of um, the chapters. Yep. So something I've written about and and taught is the idea of developing themes in your work and coming up yep. with uh, a, a um, conceptual approach, a, a title that, that, that covers the, the type of photograph it is. Yep. And, and so I'd, I'd already had that process going. So, you know, the chapters that appear in the book were portfolios I'd, I'd already been consciously developing. So they, they were already you know, a structure for me. And it was actually shifted around with the editors because they got you know, several hundred images. Yeah. I don't know, maybe twice as many. So there's 151 in the book and they probably got 300 images. Yep. Every once in a while, I, I get confused which images in which book and I go, God, that, <laughs> that's not in the retrospective. I get, I should have insisted on that one. Yeah. But, um, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but that there was some uh, wrestling around with what you know certain images yep. um, should be included, but minimal, very minimal. Yeah. And and something that happened too that was interesting, and you know I was I was uh, very much look at book process as a collaboration. Yeah. So I had seen their books, they had sent me books, I knew what they knew what they were talking about, and yeah. There were things that they did I liked, and a couple of things that you know wasn't quite as yep. thrilled about. But yeah, the uh, Yosemite chapter ended up being fairly small, and a lot of the images in that I had submitted for Yosemite ended up in the By Nature's Design chapter. Chapter, right? So I have a book called By Nature's Design yep. that was published in the '90s, and I photographed patterns a lot, and they felt that they didn't those pattern images in yosemite didn't say that much about yosemite right hmm. so but they were more about the patterns, patterns. I mean, just yeah. just as they're being the editor that's that's yeah. their prerogative and i was willing to yeah uh do that sort of collaboration so yeah a lot of my favorite pattern images from yosemite are not in the yosemite chapter but in the, the they're elsewhere in the book in the in the patterns in the yeah by nature's design and the antarctica trip was five days so that's pretty natural yes to be one chapter yeah and then the black and white photography i had done an ebook 
based on the same name. And that was, uh, you know, that was the black and white chapter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love the combination and the mix of the, the more wider shots, but also just the intimate shots that you've captured. I think they are fantastic, particularly the shots with the, with the ice, the beautiful ice patterns and also the text, the textures in, in the rocks and the stones. I just, I just find them absolutely beautiful and I could sit and look at them. It's one, I love the intimate details that, that you, that you managed to capture and that, it allows me just to think it's like it, it could in theory be anywhere. It could be any scale, but it just allows me to imagine for myself. And it, it, I'm not, I don't open it and think, yeah, it's nice. And then move on. I open it and I kind of stop and pause to look at, to look at the shot because it's provoking thoughts in me, which I think, which I think yeah. is a wonderful thing to, to accomplish and achieve in your work. That, that approach occurred to me uh, quite a while ago and, and, Maybe it's looking at somebody like Minor White who took you know sections of the landscape. Yeah. Uh, but I just decided somehow that I would rather take a photograph that asked a question rather yeah. than answered a question. So, yeah. like you say, you look at the the image, and I tend to take clues out instead of take yeah. clues in. Yeah. People are all well. I better get the sky in there. I better get the foreground in there. Yeah. To me. No, let's uh, let's let them absolutely well, for myself and for the viewer uh, wonder the perspective. What's the scale? What's the depth? What's you know what's going on in the sky? So if you have a a bright cliff uh, reflected in the river and you don't show the sky, you don't so you don't show the cliff that's reflecting in the water. Yeah, uh, the Perea River reflection shot that's in both books. Uh, you know by taking the the source of the light in the water out of the equation you don't see the sky you don't see the brightly lit ball but you see the glow in the river then that just adds some some magic to it for me anyway yeah i i, I tend to agree i think there's by removing some of the elements it really just adds it adds something else adds something different and it allows you allows you as a as allows me as a as a viewer to think very differently as opposed to being told all the answers which some people might like being told all the answers. I, I personally like to think for myself and try to and 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 question what it is I'm looking at and 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 really what the appeal is for me in the image as well as what the appeal is maybe and what you've seen in the image as well. Yeah, you you hope people want to come back to it. Absolutely. And and also some of some of the some of the images I'll hold this one up. Uh, I just, I just find them, they're be they, they have a real painterly abstract feel to them. I just, I just find them, it's just, just beautiful to look at just the patterns and different shapes. Yeah, that's, that's been a approach for a long time. And I'm real excited to say that there are a lot of up and coming photographers that are really doing um, a wonderful, I always call them intimate landscapes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a counter uh, approach to the a mega dramatic scenery that you see on Instagram, which yes. is wonderful. And I've, I've taken my share, yeah. but, you know, that people want to uh, uh, relate, get a bit more involved in just a more contemplative view than rather yeah. than a, a weather driven view or kind of an epic display of nature. 
Yeah. Which is, of course, it exci- is exciting. But the, uh, you know, there's something called the slow photography movement. And a lot of people are talking about intimate landscapes. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I go back to one of my earliest inspirations. And for a lot of, a lot of us is Elliot Porter. And when I saw his intimate landscape book, you know, that was, I was already doing details, but I think it, it just kind of gave me permission to, wow, that's, you know, I'm going to do intimate landscapes in Yosemite, for example. Yeah. Because Elliot Porter was such an inspiration with his, uh, his, stuff. his book about that name. So, you know, there's a history of, of how people, um, a, a lineage of inspiration, should I say. Yeah. So um, going back to, to what would have been the 40s or 50s when Elliot Porter was photographing into the 60s and then other people you know, pick up that approach and yeah. kind of been, been a nice revival of it. Yeah. No, I, I, I really like it. I th- for me, it just it really adds a, a different dimension and different depth. And, but also at the same time, there's some of the, some of the beautiful the beautiful images of the 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 shrouded cliffs which again i just think are yeah they're just there's just a a a mysterious and a magical element to them as well that just it the well it's not necessarily the intimate detail you it's still it's still of a scale that allows you to to think for yourself and and ponder the question and as you say it's as opposed to as opposed to giving an answer, give a question instead. And I just, I just think those are just wonderful images and beautifully, beautifully processed and just beautiful tones as well, which I find just very, very subtle. Yeah, the, uh, the leaving the imagination to others, one, one a good example of that for me was the giant sequoia trees are not far from me. And, and you know, yeah. for many years, you know, I tried to photograph them like everybody else with a wide angle lens and aiming up and they, yep. they shrink and you kind of hard to tell the scale. Yeah. Especially because because the wide angle shrinks things. So yep. you know, one at one moment in time I, I in the sequoia grove near here and and I shoot just the base of the trees. Yeah. With the green and there was one little one little fir tree in between. Yeah. That was small uh, against and it's in the background, so you don't see it. But the the massive trunks uh, tell you about the trees while showing about one tenth of them. Yes. Yeah. So that's that implication and and letting. Yeah. You, the weight of the trunks are so wide. You know, they really show the. Yeah. The power. I, I remember. See, I remember having a look at that shot. Uh, seeing that shot earlier on, and yeah, it's it's beautiful. And it's it's the contrast in the colors as well, from the break from the big trunks to the beautiful green fir trees that are just like peeking and poking in between each of the these huge big bold trunks. But at the same time, you can see such the detail in the in the bark of all the trunks. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a wonderful shot, nice and wide. And as you say, it tells you all you need to know about the trees without seeing them full right. full right. sky full size and you just see so much sky and actually you lose you lose the impact there's so much impact in that shot where you've just got the the green fir trees brightly poking through in between the gaps yeah yeah no i've i've continued with that approach but that was a kind of a seminal yeah. composition yeah yeah that's that's the, that's the beautiful shot 
yeah but no it's it's i there, there's there's just such such a variety of of work and and in your composition that i just i can just see so much enjoyment from the range of subject matter you shoot as well from the fruit from the frozen ponds to obviously the dunes to the trees um to the beautiful patterns and textures which reminds me a lot of some of Hans Strand's work as well from his like Iceland above and beyond when you're when you're looking down and the the colors that you prop I don't know which I don't know which picture that I think is it grand yeah. Grand yeah, prismatic. Just, yeah, I just the, the the colors in that are just absolutely, absolutely stunning from the dark all the way through to the the really bright, vibrant colors in the middle. Well, that kind of brings up an interesting part of my career with where I was doing essentially illustrative work. Yeah. So there's a museum in San Francisco called the Exploratorium. And I did three books with them. And one is called the um the color of nature and i had an i had pages and pages of potential subjects that the science writer these were science books so i was yep. i was the illustrator so like photographing grand prismatic was uh, basically working on that book right so i have i have a photograph of an ice cave that was on the same project yeah a photograph of lake louise was taken on the same trip uh, which wasn't used in the book, but part of one of the lists, one of the subjects on the list was, you know, glacial fed lakes. Yeah. And uh, Grand Pismatic was, you know, has a, the science related to the colors is the different temperatures grow different kinds of algae. So they're different colors there. So yeah. hired a plane and, and photographed it from the air. Fantastic. What, what a great experience that might just, must just have opened you opened your eyes to so many different things that you ordinarily probably would never have gone out to shoot yourself. Yeah. So they, you know, they tell me, go fo go photograph a, a Fibonacci sequence in nature. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But you know, they gave me subjects to look for, you know, I'm, yes. I'm going into shops and buying Nautilus shells and I'm planting yep. sunflowers so I can photograph the, the yep. seed pattern when they open up and, uh, I bought a honeycomb, right. which I had to try to photograph. And the first time I tried to photograph it, you know, it collapsed and yeah. I pulled it out. And once it didn't have the honey around it, it just collapsed. <laughs> so to photograph it, I had to, to buy a honeycomb, you know, sitting in the middle of a jar of honey. Yes. And take and freeze it. Right. Okay. And take it out and photograph it, you know. So, yeah. You know, it's a, you know, kind of a, editorial assignment but yes it allowed me to just play with things that yeah that i would never have tried absolutely. before yeah absolutely so obviously your your latest book light in the landscape which yeah it's, it's fantastic and I, as i say i've only had it a few weeks so i do look forward to spending a lot more time reading it what are your plans for the future do you think you've maybe got another booking book inside you some some different work or are you working on something else i'm working on two new books Excellent. So one is uh, just revving up now. It's another book with Rocky Nook, and it's um, yep. uh, the photographer's development uh, workshop. It's lovely. Really good. So it's basically taking lessons that I used to teach online yep. uh, many years ago and, and the, the process of taking people through a, a 
refining their work and yeah. finding um, coherent themes within them and develop, developing the images and the concept. Yeah. So that the, and the, it, the structure's already there because the lessons were written yes, quite yeah. a while ago, but we're going to pull it all into book form. So that should be out next spring. And then I'm finally getting to the point where I might actually self-publish a book. Brilliant. So um, I'm looking, uh, looking to do a new Yosemite book. Um, Lovely. Sometime next year, maybe just uh, spring of the following year. Same and situation. I had a, a Yosemite book called Yosemite, The Promise of Wildness that was published in 1994, and it just went out of print. Right. So it was in print for almost 30 years, and it's now out of print, and it's time to do a new one. Sounds great. I very much, uh, I, I very much look forward to seeing how how that progresses because I, I love your work and your other books, and I enjoy following to see what you, you're sharing on social media as well. I know you you put up a lot of work there, so it's always it's always really interesting to see just to see what's around the corner. So obviously, the podcast and the whole Bibliostapes thing is about photo books. So I'd be really quite I'm really quite looking forward to hearing what some of your favorite photo books are from other photographers. It's for for me. It's always really interesting just to see the different names that everyone brings brings to the table because just like when you were sitting with your professor many many years ago and he was saying you need to check out such these minor white etc cetera, etc. Cetera. For me and I'm sure for many people listening, it's always really fascinating to hear some new names, one or two new names that you've you've never come across, and just to see what inspire what inspires you. Yeah, I think that part of an inspiration is, you know, the education from books is can't be understated. So yep. in college, when I was just starting this process of a long career, I was spent a lot of times in bookstores and I found a used bookstore. This was in Boulder, Colorado. And yep. I'd buy up whenever they had a Sierra Club book. There's a, a great um, Sierra Club book uh, Elliot Porter did called The Place No One Knew. Right. And um then I, you know, I got a hardbound copy of Ernest Haas, The Creation. Yep. You know, like for $2. Um, so I've been collecting for books, books for a long time. And when I worked at the gallery in Yosemite, yep. I, I was the book buyer for photography books. Excellent. So, so I got to buy books to put on the shelf, shelf. one for me and one for the shelf or something like that. Yeah, that's an, I can imagine that would have been very expensive. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's where my money went, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have a large stack here, so I'm going to go through them. Perfect. Let's... We can go back. I don't want to go on and on, but I have uh, Brett Weston, Voyage of the Eye. Right. And I have uh, Paul Caponegro books. He's been a big inspiration. inspiration. I have yep. one called Meditations in Light. Right. Okay. There's another one I didn't I didn't find because it's buried in the morass of my books, but it's called Landscape. It's right. a very small little book, and it's got the most wonderful essay in it. Brilliant. Real great images and, and really inspirational words. Uh, Cape Light by Joel Meyerowitz. Right. Yeah. Um, I have Michael Kenna's. I have a lot of Michael Kenna books, like many of us do. Um, I know, yeah. He's, this is is, he's, had, a little, my, he's had a lot of books out. 1976 to 1988. Right. It's interesting because I, I knew Michael when he was uh, not not so famous. <laughs> he was he was the printer for Ruth Bernhardt. Yes. Yeah. And so 
Ruth was involved with Ansel's workshops and friends of photography workshops. Yeah. And so Michael was always around, you know, as an assistant to Ruth Bernhard. Yeah. Which is kind of funny to think about looking back. Uh, Very strange to think about. Yes, I can imagine. But, but, you know, working, that was an apprenticeship for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, taking Ruth's work. And I'm not sure if she was that much of a darkroom junkie. So um, to have somebody, you know, uh, delve into the archive of work like Ruth had, um, was a, I'm sure, phenomenal experience for, for I Michael. I can imagine. Absolutely incredible. So Cape Light, Michael Kenna, I said the creation by Ernest Haas. Yeah. That was a big inspiration. Right. Cool. I have uh, Minor White's um, The Eye That Shapes. Right. Okay. Hmm. There's been I'm, a, I'm a, getting... Yeah, there's been a there's been a few minor white suggestions, so and I think every one of them has been a different book, which is always really quite interesting to to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a couple of them. That's just the first one I grabbed. Yep. Um, there's some wonderful books um, by Christopher Burkett, and I uh, the one I have here is called Seasons. Right. And it was words of Thoreau and. I'm sorry, excuse me, the words of Robert Frost illustrated with Chris's photographs. Yep. Um, and I mentioned the intimate landscape or intimate landscapes by yep. Elliot Porter. Yeah. Fantastic. I wonder I could go on, but yeah, I know that. Start. Well, that that's it. The, the thing is, everyone always says that yeah, we could I could go on and on and on. And I say if I did, if I let people go on and on and on, then it takes away from the the impact and the emphasis of actually seeing well, which ones really did inspire you. And I, as you say, it's, it's very, very hard to choose these things, but you've, you've got to start somewhere, but there's some fantastic names and I, I look forward to researching a lot of them because I, I always find it really quite inspirational over the last, I think I have 43, 44 weeks I've been recording these episodes. I've come across so many different names that even though I've maybe not necessarily bought their books, I've been able to go on and research their work and, and discover new names and, and new styles to, to follow and, and take inspiration from. Yeah, I would be remiss not to mention, mention Ansel too. So yeah. uh, examples I already mentioned earlier, and then uh, Yosemite yeah. and the Range of Light was probably my favorite Ansel book. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I was exposed to those you know, right yeah. in the store and happily sold yeah. many, many, many of them. I can imagine and quite an experience as well. It must, it must have been to, uh, yeah, to, to be there at that time. Yeah. Yeah. We had a few book signings and people going out the door signing uh, with Ansel signing books. It was fun. Yeah. Good old days. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, William. Thank you very much for giving me up your time this morning to discuss your work and discuss your books. It's, it's really been quite inspirational to hear you talk about your, your background and your approach and really what inspires you and, and to talk about some of the stories behind some of the images. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers.